Hi everyone and welcome to the brand new episode of Fintech Ki Baat Dil Se is on the flip side. Today we have with us uh, Mr. Sankar Chanda who is the founder of uh, Savit. Sankar over to you I would uh, you know, if you can go ahead and give a brief intro about yourself and Savit and then maybe we'll take it forward from there. Sure. Uh, so thanks for having me uh, Shreyas and uh, uh, I'm the founder of Savit and then I founded Savit in around 2017. uh i just dropped out of my btech after uh, completing my second year uh, mm-hmm. in computer science and uh, uh, back then it was a small idea for helping retail investors invest over time we've added a lot of interesting things in what we were doing and uh, built a savart so before uh, founding savart i had uh, uh, also written a small book called uh, financial nirvana which is uh, kind of a beginner's guide to investing so i'm working on its second version now uh, but then uh, it was just a compilation of my experiences at that point of time and uh, i'd made my first investment approximately when i was at 14 at the age of 14 and mm-hmm. it was just out of curiosity and my love for books and then i came across some interesting uh, books to read about investing in articles and then that's how the thing started from there और इट प्रीटी इंटरेस्टिंग सो ये फाइनेंस और टेक का कनेक्शन कैसे बैठा मतलब यू आर इन बीटेक एंड हाउ डिड यू एंड अप क्रिएटिंग अ प्रोडक्ट दैट सर्व्स द फाइनेंशियल इंडस्ट्री यस सो एक्चुअली इट्स द अदर वे अराउंड आई वाज इनटू फाइनेंस एंड देन वेंट इनटू द कंप्यूटर साइंस थिंग बिकॉज़ व्हेन व्हेन आई वाज स्टार्टिंग लाइक द कोडर्स यूज्ड टू आस्क मी सम क्वेश्चंस द डेवलपर्स राइट एंड आई डिड नॉट अंडरस्टैंड व्हाट दे वर आस्किंग एंड व्हाट आई नीडेड आई डिडंट नो इट प्रॉपर्ली सो ऑल आई वांटेड वाज मुझे वेबसाइट चाहिए ऐप चाहिए जिसमें इन्वेस्टमेंट हो जाएगा सो दैट्स टू ब्रॉड एंड दैट्स नॉट वेरी स्पेसिफिक सो देन आई सेड फाइन आई नीड टू हैव सम टेक नॉलेज टू टॉक टू देम एट लीस्ट सो दैट्स व्हाई आई हैड टेकन कंप्यूटर साइंस बट it it didn't serve the purpose at the end of the day because i left midway like that <laughs> so what made you uh, what was it that made you leave computer science midway ah uh, so the time was not uh, gelling in right so to do both i mean there have people who have done both but i don't think i was that uh, adept at time management that i could study as well as run the company at the same time so i said fine and, and there was uh, a uh, kind of nothing very exciting going on in college as well so the same things we learn then we listen then we write the same thing and again we write the same thing in the exam and in right. general we're not even using that stuff in real life anymore so it's just like a small fantasy that has been created within that uh, uh the the educational institution and then we are living in that fantasy the real life and that has no correlation actually <laughs> couldn't agree more on that i mean that is a scenario of current education systems uh, but what essentially was the inspiration for idea ki yaar retail investors ke liye kuch karna what made you think ki yaar i can solve this you know at that age uh, specifically what made you think uh so one when i was thinking the age wasn't even a matter so i was slightly uh, second guessing myself because uh, uh, that was i think the only part where age was a concern like i was like matlab uh, i was telling myself to matlab itna chota hai tera dimag matlab is it enough to get this done karke so that that was a small doubt i had but very small not too much uh, generally i'm confident about that stuff Uh, but then uh, why retail investors is i think after i did the ethnographic survey kind of stuff on ground when i spoke to people right across the country especially uh, in uttar pradesh and the ncr region where when my university was i did a lot of survey on uh, discussions with people there 
so in villages suburban areas and that changed my perspective basically so what happens is somebody who has say a million or a billion dollars of investment you make another million or a billion for them it's good right uh, they make money they you you have a happy client or a happy investor and you get your fees as well but then uh, an investor who has 5000 or 10000 rupees and then you give them 2000 3000 5000 10000 of profit that excitement is on a different level right so you are changing somebody's life by doing that actually so because post a certain point then that numbers uh, add up in your net worth and it doesn't make much difference actually but when, when those are smaller amounts those actually make difference to your life so that excitement was unparalleled and i said fine i could do everything else the hni business and everything but retail always has to be a part of what we do and that's how we chose that segment got it so essentially uh, it was that uh, passion to create impact in people's lives that drove you to uh, build what you have built today yes yes got it so at what point of time did this actually turn from just an idea in your head to something that you are experimenting to you realizing here this is going to be a full blown thing and uh, it could be big so you started actually doing it seriously what was that moment uh i i don't think there was one moment there were multiple such things and uh, i get ideas every day like every minute so uh, the way i differentiate between ideas that are just fleeting and the ones which i actually pursue is by taking some small tangible steps so first thing i did when i got the idea is uh, i spoke to two three other people which includes my mentor also right so which fact i joined the university just for him Uh, to in the first place so first i started discussing so when i started discussing uh, i get committed right so that okay you spoke to them then you took the guidance and they gave you some next work to do and you didn't get back so i used to coerce myself into kind of uh, committing myself to that idea so that i don't get another uh, good idea and then i move to that right so that so that was one thing where when i started talking to my mentor second i went and registered the company in 2017 that was actually not in the early stages it was actually almost one year later but these small steps it's not a big deal like you could register 100 companies that way but for me those are small small steps basically which reinforce that no no we are very serious we are going to do this so i kept reinforcing that and after i think one year then there was no looking back like that Uh, Sankaj, I I'd like to go a little back in time before you move ahead. When you were fourteen years old, uh, uh, what was your, uh, you know, that key dance idea that made you invest uh, in the very first stock, or how did that ex- exactly happen? Uh, so I think uh, the the way I got to know about stock first is not through a book. So I, I like I said I love reading. So I I read anything that like for example you throw a piece of newspaper in front of me and like somebody said just dropped it. I'll pick it up, read it and put it back. So that's that's a kind of obsession I have. So you know, and I think my book or some one of my friends book in the school this classmate or Navneet books have amazing facts written in the front and back, right? Mm-hmm. So I was bored with the class so I was reading that and that's where Benjamin Graham was mentioned basically. So mm-hmm. I thought Benjamin Graham is Alexander Graham Bell. So I thought he's the same guy. Obviously, I didn't have the phone at school to check that. So I went home and then checked it back. Like, uh, who, who did I miss the surname of this guy wrong, or is it something else? Correctly. So then I understood that Alexander Graham Bell and Benjamin Graham just have Graham <laughs> kind of uh, same thing. Nothing else is the same. 
so then i read about benjamin graham and then i correlated it to the other thing like when i was looking at tv and i was this uh, switching channels right so the stock thing came up the, the stocks channel the business channel basically with all those green and red triangles so in uh, around one two years back before that i had just looked at it i didn't understand anything but it was interesting how how that they were sensationalizing it somebody was shouting and gira gira or trying and all that some some bullshit they were talking about and it was interesting just to listen i did not understand anything of it then i correlated okay this guy is doing something which is related to something in that channel and this looks interesting and that's how i i then went to my sister who 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 was doing a ca i uh, at that point of time i said i i guess this is your subject tell me what this is about so then she said yeah this is investing i already do it i have a demat account so she's 9 years elder to me so she has a demat account by then right mm-hmm. so uh so so she said fine you you look at this demat and this is how you do it just like your bank account she showed me hdfc security that thing and uh, i i bought this books so then i i literally typed this only i think in google like a bible of investing or something like that and intelligent investor book came up and uh, i don't think that time that uh, uh, amazon and all i was i was even aware of them at that point of time so i bought it on the books uh, in the bookstore personally read it and uh, then i understood theek hai this is investing this is how a stock is bought but uh, it was not sufficient knowledge but just enough to start and that's how i made my first investment through my sister's demat and so how long did you trade through others demat uh, i think until i was 18 i think 4 yeah. years i was doing her account only until like uh, uh, she kicked me out because of the complications it was creating like uh, i was i was trading day in day out and, Uh, her portfolio got mixed up, and I, uh, by mistake, I sold off her portfolio also twice or thrice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, uh, coming back to the present now, from the past, when you uh, essentially started Savart, and do you had anything in mind about uh, what if this does not work out for me? I mean, you definitely had time on your side, but what was uh, Plan B or Plan C, something like that, in your mind? Yeah, so so I think initially I was planning for a plan B and everything, but then later I uh, intentionally burned all those plans. I I even cut off my uh, uh, fire exit kind of a thing, right? So there's no exit. So like, what was the second thing that was on my mind is okay, I'll be an engineer and then I'll code. And I was really bad at coding also within those two two years also. So I thought worst case I'll be an engineer or something like that. Uh, but uh, then I said, no, no, that is wrong kind of attitude to have. He, he, not to he, doing it. Then that's why that was also one of the reason for dropping out. He, if I fail with Savart, nobody should give me a job. Nobody will give me a job. So I have to do this anyways. So there's no other go. Okay. So you I cut, cut off all the experiments. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is quite the contrary to what I've seen a lot of other founders do. They will have a plan B, a plan C. And something or other in place. Ki yar ye nahi chala to ye kar lenge, ye kar lenge. But I think that is what essentially differentiates a founder who gives hundred percent versus someone who is just trying enough to make it work and then has yeah. an escape route. Yes, absolutely. And and <clears throat> within founders and entrepreneurs or industrialists also, I I think uh, there are many kinds. But then uh, two evident kinds that I've seen is one who who wants to who whose end product is money, right? So there, there are multiple ways to make money, not just for business. Right, business is just one way to do it. Uh, and then 
there are others who love that brand and want to build a, a long lasting or multi generational kind of a brand basically who, who don't want to sell it away right so i so so it depends on what kind of perspective they are bringing so somebody who wants to build a business sell it away at some point of time uh, do an mba and again get back to another business and then do it again i call them flippers basically they flip businesses <laughs> they, they make them and sell them right and then the other guys are, are say let's call them like emotional uh, uh, entrepreneurs say they stick to that brand and i like the latter part you know, because uh, it, it it when we are you know, kind of uh, say it's like a small pet or a baby right so the company is like that so you want you don't want to uh, take care and grow it and with your own hands and then sell it off to somebody we i could maybe if this if there's something like that but i don't want to right so that perspective is important when you start that decides your safety nets in my view got it that does make a sense so uh, i mean when you when you essentially talk about starting off and uh, early days so how are you funding how are you funding sawart and when was your when was your when you felt ki yaar ye idea validate ho gaya like when your essentially when you either got your first paying customer or your first investor who came in and yaar like tum badhiya kaam kar rahe ho you take this money from me and uh, start doing more business so what was that moment for you what was that uh, even for you i think uh, a, there was not one one particular source that kind of helped me fund but coincidentally multiple things came into the picture right so for example uh i i had lot of these scholarships gifts and awards that i got so i was good at academics right so i used to get this uh, everything like spoken english and like mathematics olympiad or science olympiad some 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 things i used to get and they used to keep sending some money 5000 10000 which is huge amount at that point of time so what i mean okay. I, i can't do I, like maybe 10000 i could use it for um, if i stretch it a little i could use it for a year basically at that point of time there's there's no expenditure per se so uh, so that cash came in and then second i used to charge almost everybody for everything in the house i never used to do anything for free so <laughs> like i was not actually a money minded guy because i had no utility for that also i i used to just stash it somewhere i had no utility but i used to always charge because i i had read in some book that if you do things for free they won't be respect so i i didn't even understand that quote at that point of time but i said done no free service from now so i had to get groceries pay me uh, if i had to you know, do some uh, if the maid was not at home and then mom was busy or something like that i had to help her with the chores then again a tax or pay pay me for that so like that i i collected a lot of money from everything that you can imagine and uh, later uh, uh, i was i was not very good with people and all so but then uh, in in uh, they said like in the in marriages right they said uh, that uh, you, you there's a small kid who sits with the uh, bride and groom right so in that i said see i'm i don't like sitting in uh, in the middle of people and all that stuff you pay me and then i'll do what you want to do so <laughs> i charged almost 12000 for that and uh, 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 wedding was that yeah, <laughs> my cousin's wedding i think oh, i don't God. remember but <laughs> i charged a hefty money for that not from them directly but everybody used to give the gift right to the wedding group so i used to take my cut hey this is mine this is my girl so the, all that cash uh, i think came to a lot of rescue and uh, all these sources uh, were a mix basically and obviously the investment money also which i made through quick trading right so there were right. one or two years 
uh, of uh, tra- uh, trading i would call that time as trading i didn't invest that time i thought it was investing mm-hmm. 300 to 350% yearly return i did that for two or three years in a row basically at that time okay yeah. that's super interesting i mean uh, this is probably yeah. the first startup you know not kidding i did the very same thing and that's how i that was my first capital that i invested in stock market not kidding <laughs> yeah i mean that's a very great source actually yeah. so they need you uh, like uh, very desperately this very few kids of mine i'm late in that generation so <laughs> i did that <laughs> perfect that's super interesting uh yeah. So when you say that you are making 350% uh, year on year so i have to ask you are you a tech i mean are you a technical an- analysis kind of a guy or are you purely you know inclined towards fundamentally uh i i was initially a very lucky guy that's all it is uh, so i was neither doing technical nor fundamental i was doing some Uh, some something it's inexplicable <laughs> but i made money and later i i became a core fundamentals guy like uh, and even after that also i've made some good return but not in even in the close ballpark of 300% it's triple digit but still not as much as 300 uh, but i focus a lot on fundamentals and now i don't kind of uh, trade often so the companies i think uh, now now i don't maintain an active portfolio because of all that conflict between savert and all i i want to do that i just liquidated few months back i will restart my portfolio and when i even do that as well uh, it it will be for years together basically i won't touch those stock and then no trades it's just addition no deletion basically like that got it got it so sometimes uh, does having a stock market startup affect your own portfolio and in what very ways? much very much very much i think i i lost quite a bit of money just because of that because i knew that was going down but i did not have the time i i didn't recollect that i had to go and sell it off at the right time and i lost that basically not mm-hmm. once but i think thrice it happened to me so it does affect the portfolio but now i think since the new team is coming up now i want to restart my portfolio uh, and i ran it for from almost 6 7 years until the last few months but now i want to restart that forever basically one portfolio which i want to keep it forever now but i think i think from the regulations point of view people who work in uh, broking houses mutual funds are not allowed to have their own portfolio does that apply to you as well or uh, not much we, we can have our own portfolios but there are disclosure uh, systems for that like what you are buying when you are buying now for example say you are telling people that you buy wipro and then i am selling wipro now that's unethical it's like common sense we should not do that kind of stuff if we if we if we are compliant with those basic stuff and do the disclosures as per the sebi compliant then we are good but sebi doesn't say that you should not have your own portfolio that's not there understood yeah okay so essentially uh, you know starting a company at let's say 17 and now managing a company of around 20 25 employees how has your uh, work life balance been i mean uh, you were at an age when people are normally out there enjoying their life and all of that so did at any point of time you felt ki yaar i could have been you know doing something better or maybe work life balance new rather family issues family basically you know how to manage that were you able to do it at this point because many entrepreneurs even it even it when they are at like 35 40 it's like very difficult for them to manage uh, when they are managing a company 
so work life balance always goes for it also were you able to manage it or uh, how was the situation like yeah i think uh, that uh, was not a problem only maybe like you said 30 35 and they have a family i think that's a big uh, i mean their own kids and all that stuff but right now i i am with my parents and then i spend some time with them i, I mean good time amount of time and uh, I, i never felt that way the only change i mentioned is uh, i i noticed in fact not mentioned sorry is that uh, uh, um, I I don't remember what I used to think about before Savar. Like you get it, like it's a pretty weird thing. So, so in the last five years, so every part, like from the minute I wake up till the minute I sleep, including bath, uh, washroom, everything, everything I'm thinking about that. So I forgot what I used to think about when Savar was not there. So that's a pretty weird thing I noticed. Now I don't recollect what I used to do at that point of time. So I used to read books. I remember. I used to study a lot. I remember, but I don't remember what I used to think about. that's pretty pretty weird because in the last 5 years i haven't thought of anything else so i don't know how it feels to not have savart in the brain for a day so that's why that uh, uh, in in the principles when in the company when we wrote that savart is not open for acquisitions forever that is one of the key drivers basically because i'm scared that if somebody else buys it out then what will i think about and if i don't think what will i do <laughs> so that's my fear basically that's the change i have noticed in my brain or right, so that essentially you know directly correlates to the fact that you mentioned that uh, the distinction between emotional entrepreneurs and uh, the one who are actually business flippers right yes this essentially is this specific test, uh, statement stands as a testament to the fact that how passionate and involved the founder can get with mm. his own company and become obsessed like uh, parents get with their babies right and mm. i think this essentially is a part of that Yes, yes, it is. It is. I would, I would uh, define it that way too. Absolutely. Okay, one thing. Tell me. I mean, what did your parents say when you uh, essentially, you know, dropped out of the school? I mean, dropped out of your uh, engineering college? Uh, so I made it very slow. I I confused uh, the things out of them. In I I did that very planned way. So it's not like one day I said tomorrow I'm not going to college. So okay. slowly I gave them indications very very slowly. So first, uh, I started not that time, but I think uh, my intermediate first year, which is after eleventh, right? Uh-huh. So eleventh uh, was eleventh was the last year of my academic performance, basically, which was in line with my uh, academics at that point of time. Uh, after that, then I decided mm, this uh, this is not going to work out. The studies and everything, there's no correlation with reality. So. Mm-hmm. then i told them that uh, see you now i got i so in in my college in 11th right so that just put me into some uh, there, there's lot of i would say academic discrimination here right so in the colleges like you are good your toppers batch then you are the losers batch or something like that they don't call it that way but we know that they want to call it so i was in that uh, kind of uh, the the worst kind of a batch or something like that uh, and uh, they, then i got some good marks in 11th and then uh i i started asking them for a kind of leave in the timings college timings i said see i'll go away 2 hours before the college and i can't sit till 5:30 and that stuff so send me at 3 o'clock so 12th also i'll give you that kind of marks so you will whatever you they they're happy with the marks kind of stuff so they said okay so that was the first indication that i was moving away from academics actually so okay. then then slowly i went to that college and then i never used to attend classes they used to know that and then slowly i used to tell them that i am not enjoying this and this is not happening 
and uh, i used to come to hyderabad i think i shuttled 20 30 times in a year between delhi and hyderabad so mm-hmm. and that first two years so then they understood that it's okay their only regret was like matlab acha padta tha abhi kaisa kharab ho gaya that that's what their only kind of thing but later they were like pretty chill about it no problem that's amazing so ultimately jab bomb phoda tab they were already primed for it ki yaar ye hone wala yes Yes. Not in one day. Not in one day. <laughs> like Interesting tactic. I think a lot of future entrepreneurs have, uh, like, essentially have some takeaways from here. He can say bomb for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen my friends. Some people doing it. They didn't execute it properly. <laughs> Then they like one day they were like, "I'll say my college ne jara." Then wrong atmosphere at home. That's a Bollywood ki galti hai. मैनेजिंग पीपल Because I'm pretty sure when you started out, a lot of things might have been new for you, managing people and all of that. So how would that affect affect you personally? Would you, you know, essentially have sleepless nights or that anxiety? Ki yar, kal kya hoga? Will this company float? Or what can I do? You know, uh, was how was that, and how did you handle that? Yeah. So I think, uh, oh, even even my parents think I stress a lot about company, but actually I do not. I like. Have like zero 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 stress. The only thing that I worry about every time is the cash flows, cash flow issues. That's the only part of the company I actually worry about, and that too because I have to pay salaries. Now I don't get paid or something happens, like literally no problem. But then when commitments to pay are there and then we don't pay, that is the only thing that stresses me out. But uh, that has been taken to such a peak with uh, Sawat uh, in terms of those cash flow cycles that. now i know the worst days also and the best days also both so now it's just replication of that learning every time and i think uh, at least i think at least 7 to 8 times uh, i got the company bankrupt at least 7 to 8 that's a minimum so usse usse zyada what's the worst that can happen basically so that's uh, so in cash flows that's the highest so like uh, we start the first of the month at 0 rupees cash balance then we earn the revenue enough just enough to pay the salaries at the end and again we raise money or we raise through revenue and then we do it i think that we did 7 to 8 times in the last 4 years so and that's the worst that it can happen and uh, so so that stress is only that's uh, there but apart from that it's all literally fun because i don't keep those targets also i have those written down kitna revenue target and everything but there's no pressure to achieve them we naturally just happens basically Like that. Right. So, how how do you sleep at night when when those seven eight times you knew you were bankrupt? Yes. Uh, so I like in that I have Plan Bs and Plan Cs actually. So in in this matter for cash flows. So uh, one uh, literally sleeping I have zero problems. I sleep eight to ten hours in a row, and that's my that's my exercise. That's my rest also for the day. So I sleep for eight hours minimum. That's minimum. That's where it starts. I could sleep up till ten and a half also, and the rest of the day I'm working. That's it. There's only two parts of the day: work and sleep. 
nothing else in between so so uh, in terms of plan b's and plan c's uh, i i have uh, say a, a set of people who i just need to call up and say i need this cash and the next day the money would be in the bank they wouldn't even ask me for what so that's a level of trust they have in me so but i need to keep up that i need to not misuse that cash and that trust also so that's my plan b where okay these people will back me up any point of time so seven eight people i know uh, on my contact list i would say uh, ye mujhe salaries i need the cash for salaries right away and that would be in the bank next day and then plan c would be okay if this this kind of fails then i would liqu- liquidate all my personal investment small amounts which would be enough to just pay out one two months of salary and then i would pay it off and then next month by next month we raise the money or something like that so that plan a b c is what is there and then last i would say is banks the most uh, uh, uncooperative i feel with startups but uh, that's that's a worst i keep so that uh, at least on a personal level there must be an option for a personal credit line so that i can take a loan and pay it off quickly so i think uh, all these uh, plans failing at a time there's very little probability one of them will work out Uh, but now i think we are in a good position we are not in that position right now so it's it's cool right now interesting yeah yeah sorry sagar you were saying something no no go ahead so pohit i'm speaking of plans b and plan c i mean this is essentially the core problem that hits almost every startup founder at or like it strikes a chord with every startup founder right yes. cash flow crunches that is the main issue i matlab I have been. I have seen basically. You know, when I was with Yan, I saw at least two to three deals. Or sablo ka hoyda yar funding jaldi kara do. Me ko agle mahine ki salary bharni hai. Every mm-hmm. founder was was telling me this. I think yeah. you, I think at one point when we had that conversation. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So I mean, what I mean, if you were on the other end, I mean, not on the other end of that conversation, but on the other end, like someone who could actually give out fund. Yeah. What What kind of a solution would you create so that? a startup founder does not have to face that cash strain because right now banks are non cooperative so yes. uh, not all founders have the plan b and plan c is right yes. some of them uh, essentially startups go under the bus and those are very good ideas that sometimes are presently uh, failing due to the cash flow management okay. so what if you were to you know create a solution for that what would probably be your perspective on it um so i would say uh, see in fact we do investments i mean that's i am literally on that end of the spectrum but obviously i don't write personal checks for them uh, mm-hmm. so uh, one thing that i would do is far 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 faster uh, due diligence or paperwork right i don't i don't kind of believe in that because uh, of a simple reason it's not because it irks or something it's it's a good thing you should do due diligence and everybody has their style of due diligence but the problem is the due diligence that general vcs and uh, the institutions take up on a startup is not foolproof right so it's the, the entire future of the startup is literally in the founder's head okay if i have to if i really have a bad intention and i really want to not show or hide or do something wrong i can very easily pass it through any due diligence test in the world any best vc in the world i could literally go through that it's like it's that easy basically so there's no way you find uh, find out everything under the sun in the due diligence which is generally the kind of obsession that uh, the the vcs go through right so entire matlab sab karna a to z karna hai that doesn't work out number one and number two uh, 
my uh, deals are very quick and very 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 uh, short paperwork so it, it's a half page deal even the kind of deals that i do or whatever i do i never signed an agreement which is more than one page because uh, if you really want to put everything on the paper then i don't think 1000 page agreement is also enough basically to sign in reality if you if you do that right so your your founder will work with good intention founder will not do anything wrong uh, i would have to write 1000 pages that way basically so how will you cur- curtail my intention it's that's because after you do all the paperwork and everything and then my intention is bad i want to just sell and go away with my cash there's no way you can stop a founder from doing that so so it's it's the kind of people so when we do deals we look at straight that uh, i take only 30 minutes to make a decision invest karna nahi karna and after that then everything has to happen in the next few hours basically because again we don't want to lose that opportunity also even in stock uh, it's even more difficult people think uh, public stock is like you have lot of time you can do that it it's there it's not that hurried but when you get an opportunity you have to act very 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 quick because there are many smart people across the world who are also looking at that same company and you might lose that opportunity if you if you don't strike at the right time right and you look at warren buffett a kind of deals right so he bought the nebraska furniture mart from miss blumkin if i'm getting the name right so uh, it it was a half page or a one page uh, agreement one of the most uh, successful investment they made right so he, no 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 detailed paperwork or due diligence half an hour conversation to us three hours conversation the the mindset was the same the ethos of the business was the same done like that and few brands when when i look at some brands around me within within a 5 km radius of my home i literally know what kind of businesses are going to be a 1000 10000 crore business and where i have to invest in their ethics basically what kind of businesses are ethical so you you can just be a customer so there's this one company called uh, almond sweet shop basically it's a sweet shop it's a premium kind of a sweet shop i've been their customer for i think 18 years or something now, since almost the first time i ate a sweet until today so when as a customer when i'm having their sweet right i know the kind of work that they have done the usp which is in that taste the why they are charging a premium they have that moat basically they have that special ingredients which which gives a moat to the business they have a high pricing uh, uh, policy which gives them high margins and they have pricing power so sugar ka se cost bad gaya they can easily pass it on to clients right and they have built a very very high customer loyalty so how to, how is it done through very small subtle things so you go there and you say mujhe iska uska uska aur 10 cheezon ka sample chahiye mujhe sab khila do free they will never say no right they'll give you everything and then you pack something for 1 kg right the weighing machine is on top so they'll put 1.2 kg in that you won't ask they'll just give you 200 kg grams of free now and that's a premium free so every gram is like some 8 10 something rupees or something like that right hey, so hey. these small things i'm now i'm not saying give it to for free you also give everything for free i'm not saying that but this small subtle customer things they maintain taste they make us feel welcome and they keep the customer loyalty high moat high pricing margin great revenue and cash flow great ethics now that's all the ingredients you need for a billion dollar business or more actually and billion not by valuation billion dollar by revenue i'm saying right so the both are different so these 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 companies i know and this is in within 5 kilometers of my home so just think how many such brilliant businesses are there in india in in all the vicinities all the areas put together and then how many are in the world so we have that many opportunities basically we just need to do the deal right very quick
and 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 act big when the opportunity comes. So I generally put 50% of my net worth. Generally, if I'm really really uh, inclined on that, at least 50% of my portfolio in that company. It's bad uh, asset allocation, but it works out for me. Definitely. But uh, looking at this, uh, I mean, from an investor's perspective, I think it's probably the case of what you say once bitten twice shy from an investor's point of view. Yes. Where they have experienced something and then they tighten up their norms and then they again tighten up their norms and Correct. that is how the entire uh, cycle of the vicious uh, yes. due have you know come by. Correct. Absolutely. You you are hundred percent right about it. Like I said, everybody has a style of due diligence. Uh, so. We, there is no good due diligence, bad due diligence. All all right, all right. due diligence and research is good. In fact, due diligence is research. It's like investment research. That's what you're doing basically. That's what we do. So investment research is not good and bad. It's just uh, the perspective is different. And Definitely. who has the most clear perspective wins basically. That's it. Agree, agree, agree. Uh, that was a really interesting piece. Uh, let's move on. I think Sagrika is suggesting let's do a rapid fire. We have never done rapid fire on a podcast before, but yeah. uh, let's try something new. Sagrika, over to you. Let's start a rapid fire from your end. Something that I just created uh, out of the, the very basic questions of stock markets kind of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm going to push that to you. Let's see how it goes. Um, so number one, uh, are you a technicals or a fundamentals guy? A fundamentals. Okay. Are you a trader or an investor? Investor. Um, are you more bullish on Indian markets or international? Mm, uh, I would say a mix. I am like kind of in between. So in a, I, I would have a mix any day basically. India and US would be the best combination. Do you invest in US markets as of now? Yes. Okay. Um, what is your favorite hedging instrument, uh, currencies or commodities like gold? No, I don't hedge actually. You don't hedge, okay. Uh, what's your current sentiment? Bullish, bearish, moderate? Uh, I would say realist. So I just assess what is there and just take it. Uh, but in general, I'm optimist basically about the market, always. Uh, and do you have any kind of favorite stock? Mm, no, no favorite stock so far, but I want to create one soon. Is that the right thing to do? No, no. <laughs> not get emotional with stock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's it from me for for, for the rapid fire thing. I think that's it even for the podcast. This was a really insightful conversation, Sankash. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for being so candid about everything. Yeah. We love having you here. Thank thanks, you so much. Thanks, Agrika. Thanks, Shreyas. Thanks for it.